June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Grandpa knocked down. He's 75. Are the nationwide protests pushing police to their breaking point? Granny's got her back. No, 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 no. Then, projectile epidemic. He got hit in the forehead. This bystander lost an eye. He'll never be the same. Plus, the shocking discovery. They did use tear gas. Here they are. And exclusive. Inside the store where George Floyd bought his pack of cigarettes. And the machine that said his $20 bill was counterfeit. Then, reopening jitters. Will they feel safe returning to work? And to hug or not to hug. Did you know there's a right way and a wrong way to hug during the age of COVID-19 and protests? You do not want to be cheek to cheek. Plus, what pandemic? The crowds in Sin City, hardly any masks. Are they gambling with their lives? And Kate Blanchett, DIY disaster. I had a bit of a chainsaw accident. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. It is the latest video of police brutality to go viral. You've probably seen that footage of an elderly protester, a white man, shoved to the ground by cops. Police initially said the man tripped, but the video tells a very different story. We've got the latest on the man who ended up on the sidewalk, the latest incident to spark outrage over the conduct of police. Here's Stephen Fabian. The mounting strain on cops appears to be triggering disturbing encounters. In Buffalo, New York, a 75-year-old man was shoved to the ground by two cops and seriously injured. My name is Martin Guccino. The victim, identified as Martin Gugino, is a local activist. In the video, he appears to show an officer something on his cell phone. Then he's pushed and falls. The officers walk on. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is horrified. Police officers walk by. It's just fundamentally offensive and frightening. Both cops are suspended without pay, but 57 other officers have resigned from the anti-riot squad to protest their suspension. That's everyone on the squad. Cops in major cities have had leaves and vacations canceled. They're working long, grueling shifts. They're trying to control protests enforce curfews and stop looting. Dozens of them have been targeted and injured, and some say the strain is putting them on edge. It's been a long month for all of us. Stay back! In Los Angeles, cops arrested a cameraman as he was recording an arrest. He's under arrest! He's under arrest! And witnesses watched in horror as a woman appeared to be repeatedly tased. They're all on her. They're all tasing her. 
But with all these troubling incidents, there is also this. A cop hit on the head by a brick thrown by a protester. Another cop is struck from behind. How tense is it out there? Leave her alone! Leave her alone! A 75-year-old silver-haired grandmother threatened protesters with a baseball bat in East Grand Rapids, Michigan. Fortunately, they managed to gently disarm her and guide her out of the way. And look at this, an EMT uses her ambulance loudspeakers to encourage protesters. At first glance, it sounds fairly innocuous. Use rubber bullets to disperse a crowd. But a recent study found 15% of people hit by rubber bullets are seriously injured, sometimes fatally. As Jim Murray reports, social media is now filled with disturbing images of the injuries people say they got when hit by rubber bullets. They're called non-lethal, but the projectiles cops are firing at protesters can still cause serious injuries. This young man says he lost his eye when he was hit by a police projectile as he was walking by a peaceful protest in Dallas. He also has 27 staples in his scalp and his jaw was fractured. He'll never be the same. This former Marine says he was hit by a rubber bullet during a protest in Los Angeles. The rags that people had put over my head were completely soaked in blood. They were entirely red. <laughs> a TV news crew says they were hit by police projectiles in Minneapolis. Why are rubber bullets so dangerous? Many are made with a thick metal core. 15% of people hit by rubber bullets suffer permanent injuries. 3% lose their lives. I actually found these rubber bullets on the ground outside LAPD headquarters, which had been the site of some violent protests. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti has directed the police to minimize the use of rubber bullets. Police fire other non-lethal devices like flashbang grenades and pepper balls. Here. Are you okay? I'm getting shot! I'm getting... This was the crazy scene in Philadelphia when police herded protesters off a highway and fired a volley of non-lethal weapons. This took place in San Diego, a lone protester facing a platoon of cops firing similar weaponry. In this video, cops shoot pellets out of a moving vehicle at young men on the street in Los Angeles. Dr. Rohini Har is an expert on injuries caused by rubber bullets. They're less lethal than perhaps live ammunition, but they can be turned lethal because of how they're used. Ground zero for the nationwide protests is a small corner store in Minneapolis where a clerk called the cops when he thought George Floyd had tried to pass off a fake $20 bill. Amber Cogliano takes you inside the store. It's your first look inside the store where George Floyd was shopping just before his tragic death. This is the cash register where Mr. Floyd spent some of his last moments. This is how he would have exited the store. Out of these two doors, and then into the streets. Inside Edition spoke to the store owner, Mahmoud Abu Mayale, and his spokesman, Jamar Nelson. They say the clerk working that day was inexperienced and called police after Floyd left the store when this money counting machine flagged a $20 bill Floyd used to buy a pack of cigarettes as potentially counterfeit. Counterfeit bills are a lot more common than you may think. The Secret Service, which is tasked with investigating counterfeit currency, estimates there's tens of millions of bogus bills floating around in circulation, making Floyd's death all the more tragic. 
Counterfeit experts we've spoken to say it's very possible Floyd may have never even known the bill he handed over was a fake. If it was a counterfeit so far, police aren't saying because it's an active investigation. Sean Trundy is the chief operating officer at Fraud Fighter, an L.A.-based company that sells high-tech counterfeit detectors. The quality of counterfeits that are being seen out there in circulation is quite high. So high that the naked eye cannot really discern whether or not it's fake or real just by looking at it. George Floyd was a regular customer coming into the store at least once a week. Everyone knows uh, George. I know him to be extremely friendly, kind, caring, very jovial all the time. The owner says he wants the world to know he's heartbroken about what happened inside his store. He says had he been there, the cops would never have been called. People want answers. People want justice. Uh, George Floyd didn't deserve to die. Today, 10 days since Floyd left Cup Foods for the last time, the store remains boarded up and the nation continues to mourn. The owner of Cup Foods says if they do suspect in the future they've received a counterfeit bill, they will not call police unless this situation gets violent. A surprisingly strong jobs report this morning sent the stock market soaring on possible evidence that the economy is beginning to recover after the long lockdown. Meantime, the mayor of Washington, D.C., has formally requested that the federal government remove the military presence in our nation's capital. That presumably would include some mysterious men in black seen guarding the White House. But who are they? This is a great, great day. President Trump is in a cheery mood today after some much-needed good news. <laughs> Unemployment dropped last month when it was expected to soar. What Get this. The week? president suggested that George Floyd would approve of the good economic news. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying this is a great thing that's happening for our country. This is a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. If you want to know what Donald Trump is like when he's really, really happy over the last hour, you just saw it. Today, we're seeing compelling evidence that tear gas was, in fact, used to clear protesters before the president's controversial Bible photo op. A reporter from WUSA-TV in Washington says he picked these canisters up right off the street near the White House. Explosive experts say Speed Heat CS is another name for tear gas. That Speed Heat one, it's a, it's a cartridge that has a little bit of propellant in the back. It's got a bunch of tear gas up front, and you fire it from a launcher. No tear gas was used. The no White House bullets. and all the police agencies involved in clearing the protesters are continuing to deny that tear gas was used, despite this physical evidence. And who are these guys? Heavily armed men in black with no law enforcement insignia standing guard outside the White House. Some reportedly refusing to identify themselves. Turns out they're from a variety of federal agencies, including the FBI and the Bureau of Prisons, and they're under the direct supervision of Attorney General Bill Barr. They've been dubbed Bill Barr's private army. The Department of Justice is working to restore order in the District of Columbia. And check this out. The street outside the White House has been renamed Black Lives Matter Plaza by order of the city. Workers and volunteers painted the slogan on the street in giant yellow lettering. It's right beside the church where the president stood for his photo op. That sure is one very clear message. And some say this was a message from above. Mother Nature unleashed her wrath on our nation's capital last night with an awe-inspiring lightning show, including a direct hit on the Washington Monument.
Wow, that lightning strike actually sent two National Guardsmen to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo today announced that that state has suffered its lowest death toll since the coronavirus pandemic began, sparking hopes that the worst of the virus is now behind us. But that sparks a new concern, that people may relax their guard and return to old habits, creating yet another wave of the virus. New footage shows many Las Vegas gamblers are rolling the dice when it comes to the coronavirus. There is barely any social distancing at this casino. Only a few customers wore masks. At the Bellagio, hotel guests are on top of each other, waiting to check in. Mick Akers is a reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal and recorded footage of packed casinos. I just kind of walked around and was surveying the scene, and pretty much every gaming table was packed. I was surprised with some of the, you know, how close people were. Uh, they're supposed to have certain guidelines. And there's new concern about the potential spread of the coronavirus at yesterday's George Floyd Memorial. In Minneapolis, there was no social distancing as hundreds gathered to pay tribute to George Floyd. At Brooklyn's public memorial, more than 5,000 people gathered. If you were at a protest, go get a test, please. New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo issued this troubling warning. Protesters should assume they've been exposed to the coronavirus. If you were at one of those protests, I would out of an abundance of caution, assume that you are infected. His warning comes as New York City reported zero. Yep, that's zero new COVID-19 deaths on Wednesday. However, today, Mayor Bill de Blasio reported an increase of coronavirus hospitalizations. Today we saw a jump. I don't like that. It's 84 today. That's up from 48 the day before. It's not known if the hospitalizations are linked to the nine days of protests. And at least 18 states are reporting spikes in coronavirus cases. At Universal Orlando today, visitors were welcomed for the first time since the lockdown. During this time of strife, we've seen some really moving images of law enforcement offering hugs to protesters in a show of solidarity. But in this age of COVID-19, is that necessarily the smart thing to do? Well, Les Trent has some tips on the safe way to hug during a pandemic. Scenes like this might lead some to say there's hope for this world. Others would say, are you crazy hugging someone in the middle of a pandemic? It's a fact. After so many weeks of social isolation, people can't wait to hug again and reestablish human contact. Things are starting to open up, and I know so many people want to hug their loved ones. But there are important do's and don'ts to hugging. I've enlisted my very cooperative wife, Gwen. Now, we're at home, so we don't need to wear masks. But for the purposes of this demonstration, Gwen and I are going to put ours on. First, you don't want to be face-to-face. Nor should you hug cheek to cheek. Here's one of the do's. Come closer. We're going to hug, but we're going to make sure that my face goes this way and her face goes this way. And it's going to be quick and we're going to keep our masks on. Ready? Another tip. Don't talk or cough when you're hugging and do it quickly and back away like this. Mm. And what about kids and the grandparents? As long as you're careful and you decrease the risk, so maybe quick short hugs, turn the other way so no one's face is directly facing each other, hug younger kids down at your midline so you're not right in their face. So that's as good as it gets during the age of COVID-19 until we can get back to the good old days when a hug was a hug. We'll be back with more Inside Edition right after this. Next, reopening jitters. 
will they feel safe returning to work? And Kate Blanchett, DIY disaster. I had a bit of a chainsaw accident. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. Should you sleep with your dog during the pandemic? Next, Inside Edition. They're great for comfort and cuddling during COVID-19. But is it safe? What the experts say. Some people report that they have a better time falling asleep. Then, stuck at home. Let's go, water slide. How to turn your backyard into a mini Disneyland. Watch the next Inside Edition. On Monday morning, New York City, the epicenter of the pandemic, will begin phase one of reopening. That means roughly 400,000 people will be returning to their jobs. But how will they get to work? Amber Cagliano looks at how things will be different. Spreading the coronavirus on mass transit is a major concern as New York City approaches phase one of its reopening. One big question, in a city where most people don't have cars and rely on public transportation to get around, Will they feel safe returning to work? Subways, buses, and commuter lines are being disinfected every day. Slowly, the number of passengers is ticking up, going from 446,000 a day last month to 583,000 a day today. But there's still a wariness about taking public transportation, where 131 city transit workers have died from COVID-19. Michael Benjamin is an op-ed columnist for the New York Post and has recorded his subway ride experiences. You notice they put down the... Uh the social distancing markers, and that's been here the last two weeks or so. Not exactly sure how it's going to work when commuters return. He says he's observed most of his fellow passengers practicing social distancing. Notice the empty seats between them. The homeless remain a lingering presence, despite officials doing their best to bar them from mass transit due to the risk of spreading the virus. Benjamin says some of what he's seen has been upsetting. There are people who get on board who start talking loud, they're not wearing a mask, so they're expelling air and stuff, talking to each other, getting close to each other. Uh, yeah, they're kind of worrisome when they behave that way. Concerns other riders may also have when New York City reopens. Before the pandemic, it's estimated 56% of New Yorkers used public transportation. When we come back, why actress Kate Blanchett may think twice about using a chainsaw again. We've told you about all kinds of DIY disasters during the lockdown, but Oscar winner Kate Blanchett's got a doozy. She says she had a little accident with a chainsaw. Quarantine can be dangerous. Just ask Kate Blanchett. The 51-year-old star reveals on a podcast that she got injured using, of all things, a chainsaw at her home in England. I had a bit of a chainsaw accident yesterday, which sounds very, very exciting, but it wasn't. Apart from the little nick to my head, um, we're fine. Blanchette never said why she was using the power tool, but perhaps she'll be adding Action Star to her list of talents. Forbes is putting Kylie Jenner on top again, just not as a billionaire. The magazine named the makeup mogul and reality star as the world's highest paid celebrity. She made a whopping $590 million last year. Just last week, Forbes published an explosive report saying the 22-year-old faked her net worth to make it appear as if she was the youngest self-made billionaire. Kylie fired back with this tweet, I've never asked for any title or tried to lie my way there ever, period. So no matter how you cut it, she's really rich. 
When we come back, a hero nurse reunites with her daughters after months of quarantine. Finally today, she's a nurse who's been battling COVID-19 on the front lines, and now she's been reunited with her little girls. A nurse who's been treating coronavirus patients sneaks up behind her two daughters who haven't seen their mom in nine weeks. Mommy! <laughs> There's nothing like seeing mom for real. <laughs> nothing like a hug from mom. That is Inside Edition for today. I'm Deborah Norville. Thank you for watching. Stay safe, and we'll see you again next time. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first, because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight plus acres of family owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Yeah. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.